Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carbide Content. I'm one of your hosts, Grant from Fellowship Blades. I'm David from Contraption Collection. I am Dalen from MachineWise. And I'm John from Triaxis. We're going to mix it up. David, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, um, I don't think I have a ton to talk about. I just posted on Instagram that I got a bunch of cool aluminum color samples. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been just making kind of parts that I feel more safe making bigger quantities of, but I'm still kind of still kind of wanting to make a few more blades to just test things and make sure I fully understand the process before I sell any. Uh, but mostly I've been like rearranging the shop where I had so much like, you know, random parts and random hardware that I thought I might use. And now I've kind of got it where I just have like a little assembly area and it's just like only the Torx screwdrivers I'm going to use and only the yeah. hardware I'm going to use that are in little bins. And those little bins can go in a little uh, bin holder thing. And then that can go in a tool chest next to the assembly thing. And nice. it's great. <laughs> Organization is fantastic. So I'm happy with that. What's that? Organization is fantastic. Yeah. No, I, I've needed to do this for so long and like just clean out so much dust and gross uh-huh. nastiness. Um, and so, uh, and like 3d printing more of those parts trays and stuff like that to keep track of everything. And cause I, I just have like so many dozens of like scrap parts and things I still haven't thrown away or I don't know what to do with. Um, cause, cause like it depends, like some of the versions that are just like older versions, I probably just should try to get scrap metal or, or toss them or whatever. But then some stuff that's like the current version it's like, oh, I might want to look at that. Like, I have enough for like several scissors that they won't work, but it's like interesting. I don't know. It's yep. maybe a hoarder mentality. <laughs> I think I don't it's know. also. I mean, you're still kind of in the prototyping phase. So yeah. Then when you're in production. Yeah, it, it's it's uh it's mostly just the blades that I'm worried I might have to make some changes. Um, but uh, I don't know. There's also some stuff where. Um, I'm trying to keep track of things for like patent related reasons and right. maybe trying to work with other manufacturers potentially, but we'll see. Um, so I don't know, but that's, that's about it. I don't think I have a ton of stuff to say. I, I know I'll, I, I think I have questions for you guys once uh, we talk about maybe some of the stuff you guys are doing though. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, okay. Grant, what's up with that uh, fixture you posted uh, on discord? Oh yeah, I am. Uh, I'm working on a new project. Um, I don't want to tease too much, but it's def- it's a new battle song, and it's something I haven't done before. And I've been w- working on the design for forever, but I haven't actually fixtured it. And then this week, I I made the fixture in Cam and CAD and everything. And um, I there's a lot of things that I've just like had to go back and rework and think about in a different way because. Like normally in a traditional milling sense, like you mill 90% of your part or you mill 100% of your part with oversized stock, you you flip it, you clamp on the stock and then you, or you clamp on the finished part and you deck off the top or whatever, like you deck off the the hat. Um, Like super easy, normal milling process, but it gets really weird when you move it to sheet. Um, Like when you get, when you start working in sheets, you don't necessarily have a hat and you also don't necessarily have like parts coming out that you're clamping onto it's all still within the sheet um and so i'm i'm kind of 
maybe I'm I'm taking the hard route, but I, I've completely changed my mentality of like how I'm working with these parts. Um, and my fixture, I think, is is going to take care of a lot of those things. And so basically, I have all, all of the handles on aluminum, um, even the spacers are all milled out of the sheet. I flip it over. I locate it on milled holes that happen in op one. Everything's decked off and there's pockets in the second fixture to uh, recess the parts that I'm not able to face off. And I bolt it down and then do the entire op two, leaving very small tabs that will get cleaned up in op three. Um, and it, it's like fairly simple, but also when you get down to like brass tacks, it gets really hard to think about everything. Um, and also something that I, I kind of thought was brilliant is since I have a water jet, I'm my stock prep, I'm going to uh, water jet in the initial bolting holes so that I can use the entire width of the pallet. And I don't have to worry about like exterior clamps. Yeah, when I saw it, I thought that you were screwing up through the bottom into handles like I I, I have thought about doing that and I will be doing that for the titanium version of this knife. Um, Okay, yeah, but the aluminum version, I am not worried about it because the cutting forces are going to be so much lower. Right. That uh, I'm just kind of sending it in a sheet and seeing what happens. Cool. So so you're getting sheet water cut, but it's like still a big sheet of like multiple handles. So I'm getting a uh, eight by eight by three sixteenths uh, sheet of aluminum, and I'm water jetting in shop holes in the corners, and then okay. I'm bolting that to a plate, and then I'm milling all my features, and then every every uh, part in op one stays with the sheet. It all clamps down in op two through other holes and locating, and then every part is also milled in the same sheet. So I'm not working individual parts; I'm working a sheet at a time. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. That sounds like condescending or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it and think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Plate work is definitely very different than what we're used to on a standard, you know, just three axis two op part. I, I feel like the stuff I make, I, I, I don't think it's easy as easy or worth it for me to do, but if I made a cheap version of my scissors, doing the the like um the uh the replicant the brs replicant where it's like the 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 thin steel with like g10 liner yeah um doing something like that where i just like do most stuff just kind of even stamped out potentially but then just like a tiny bit of milling i feel like could be the most economical way to make my scissors totally yeah. I mean, you can, and, oh, go ahead, Dalen. So you could get them water jet and then just stack a bunch of them onto a fixture and then mill all of them in one go. Yeah, even yeah. EDM, uh, super, super precise. And That'd like I could make too. crazy pins that like go to perfect corners or something. Yeah. yeah. There's so much to think about. And I haven't like actually made a design from scratch since the Medusas, which has been like seven or eight months or something like that. Yeah. Um, besides, well, that's, that's not true. But the pry bars are super easy. So. This is a yeah. complex part. Um, and it, and the design process of like, how do I make this economically? Because I thought about making this exact knife out of G10 with tie liners. Um, and of course, it's a whole different kind of thought process because you're you're working with sheet and you're working 2D sheet and 3D sheet in uh-huh. the same kind of thought go or whatever. Um, so yeah, it is, it's just this whole process of, of like designing a part and and this the whole objective for this one is to be economical knife. It's supposed to be on the lower end of 
price, but still hopefully higher end of quality, but lower end of materials. And, and there are sacrifices to be made, but it's like, okay, where's the sacrifices that need to be made? Right. Um, so it's just a bunch of, a bunch of thoughts, but, uh, yeah, so that's the fixture. And, um, let's see what else has happened this week. I got bead blasting back up, which is fun. Oh, nice. Um, I, I never really, so I, I had aluminum oxide, uh, sandblasting and then I mixed it with glass beads originally. That's how I did yep. all the pit vipers. <laughs> That's how I did mine too. And, uh, I'd come to the rose. That was a huge mistake. I just, the pure bead blast is so much prettier. Um, and it doesn't actually like abrade the material. And yep. so it's just really nice. And, uh, we're now working on like, uh, anodizing over the bead blast, which looks really, really good. And so that's some fun projects I'm working on. Nice. You um, got Zerblast, didn't you? No, that was a whole thing. I have, I, I'm still kind of waiting on it. <laughs> I, yeah. So I had this in with the, I finally got like the contact for all these people and I got the, the ball rolling. I even like, I was with Dalen when they called me, um, at Atlanta last or at, at blade show. And I was so excited. And then I got an email like way after the whole order basically processed, I gave him a credit card and everything. And I don't think I got a charge. I'll have to check. But um, they're like, oh, by the way, yeah, we don't service your area. Like we're, they're a northern northern company. And I guess they don't ser- service the south. And so I was like, oh, well, that's a bummer. Like, I guess you're not going to ship it to me. It's like, do you have anyone you can recommend? Like, no, we don't really know. And because I guess Zerb Pro or whoever makes the Zerblast is in Canada. And so what it, is this? Uh, Zerblast, it's a it's a. I'm probably saying this wrong because it's kind of a lot of hearsay, but it's a zirconia uh, silicate. So it's a ceramic. Yes. And okay. it's the same idea as bead blasting. They're little tiny, very, very small balls, and they're just denting the surface. Uh, but they're the what they're made out of is very strong, and so it lasts forever, and it leaves a really good finish. Uh, oh. That's kind of the idea. So it's bead blasting, but on steroids. Yes. Um, in the knife making community, it's a big deal. Like it is, people go crazy for it. John, can you buy us some? <laughs> yeah, I don't have any money, so I can't buy you guys anything. <laughs> well, I, I, honestly, right. le- legit, as you say that, I'm you know, John and I, maybe we can work that out because I, I will pay for it and ship it to your house if you will ship me a pail or whatever. Because um, it, it was this whole sh- thing, and I was like, because it's so hard to get the contacts for these people for whatever reason. Yeah, um, it's impossible. I tried. Yeah, and like I finally got the contact. I was so excited, but oh, they don't service my area, and they don't know anyone else who services yep. Texas or whatever. I f- so you're just trying to buy the media, is that? Uh-huh. Is yeah, that what and it's expensive. It's like five hundred bucks for for a bucket, but it's so wow. worth it. And I don't know, like it's I don't know. Anyway, it's been a whole thing. Anyway, so I have not. I've I'm trailing down. I've moved to like three different companies. They they okay. gave me one contact where it was it wasn't actually a company, but it was the the distributor for dealers and they gave me a dealer and I called them and they had their own issues or whatever. Jeez. So I'm still working on it. But in the end result, I just said, screw it. I'm just going to buy actual glass bead because this whole thing, very similar results, just not as long lasting. Yeah. Like it, it it looks very good. It works the same. Um, and in the meantime, it'll it'll certainly do the job, but I'm still trying to get Zerblast because it's, Uh, it's good. I literally had no idea Zerblast. Like I've seen the finish, but I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, that must be like, you know, like with like vapor blasting kind of, I didn't know it was just the media. Yeah. It's yeah. Just the media. Yeah. It's yeah. Called, I believe it's Zerp pro. And then uh, like the standard size is B60. How is it spelled? It's, it's French, I guess is the head, the head companies in France. 
Oh, really? well, okay. I guess that makes sense because they're local dealers in Canada, so it's probably yep. some connection there. Yeah, and then this place I just looked at, they got a bunch of different, I don't know, you call them grits or whatever, but it starts from 20 all the way up to 120. Yeah, so what I what I heard was the 60 is the, the norm. Um, gotcha. Yep. And you can blast it in a normal cabinet? Yes, it's just like bee blasting. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. I found um, a vendor in Colorado at one point. I'll have to find them again for you. Well, so Julian, um, he gets in Colorado. I don't know how. Um, I, I, I've i been meaning to reach out, but I've been so busy. I haven't even thought about it. Yeah, right. Um, I Yeah, anyway. So I don't have Zero Blast, but it's, I'm working on it still. But yes. I got Zero Blast. Uh, I trained, uh, or I, I trained, I let Zeke go wild on the on the Zero Blasting, and, and he picked it up. And so now he's been doing Zero Blasting, which is the best thing in the world. Because um, you get you get the Zero Blast, but you don't have to do it. And that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing I, I i think a lot of finishes i kind of like more than the most basic tumbled finish but i just i i don't know it i i can't have like every part need to be handled like one at a time that's right. why i don't blast yeah and and dale and i had the exact same you know thought process kind of at the same time is mm-hmm. we were b blasting everything because we got the best results and then we we're like god this when you're do, when you go past like 10 knives a week uh-huh. Bead blasting becomes a whole day ordeal every it week, does. and it's just a nightmare. It taxes your air. You need a good compressor, or your machine's oh, a little yeah. on you. Yeah, which I think we finally sorted both of us. But yeah, well, so the reason I cut bead blasting is is right when everything started dying with my compressors. One, I didn't have a, a actual air dryer on my compressor, so I was mm-hmm. constantly having to declog and getting water <laughs> in my bead blast, Yo. which was a nightmare. Yes, um, it is. And then I had an air dryer, but my compressor wasn't able to run the mill and the beat blaster at the same time. Um, and so I finally, well, the other day, everything broke while I was trying to get the compressor or the beat blaster <laughs> working. So I swapped, I, we, were, we fixed the big compressor in the other room. So I finally put the air dryer off of the big compressor. And now I have enough air for the beat blaster and everything else. And the mill will run and everything. Um, and, and now I have two backup compressors that are currently semi-broken. I'm in the exact same situation. <laughs> I have two compressors just sitting in the middle of my shop that both kind of work. Yeah. Oh, so, boy. Yeah. I'm pretty. I'm actually pretty interested in the Zerblast thing, so I don't know like how much you need, but we could split it. And then another thing I was going to say is they make a tumbler blaster that is not like that expensive. So it's essentially a blast cabinet with a timer and it tumbles and blasts them for you. What? So that's totally a thing. What? I, I knew there's like two thousand dollars. Whoa. whoa. Uh, Cause I've, I've seen the very expensive ones, like the, the 50 plus thousand dollar ones. I've never seen one for low. Yeah. yeah I've never just, seen I just put one in general chat. Whoa, that's this great. one's even made in the U S. Oh, this is uh, Have you seen anyone who, you know, anyone who uses blasters. them? I've never seen one use one. Anyone use one, but I've heard about them. So that's. I need this. Um, I'm buying this. <laughs> I am too. I think. Oh man, dude! I need to get a referral. Will they give me a free one for my two referrals? <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is what happens. Dale and I always have the same problems, and then we go to a trade show uh-huh. or and it's like, oh, this is the same solution. Let's just buy it. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably buy it too, but I don't have any money. <laughs> I... Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to bookmark that for after the podcast. Oh, anyway, that's kind of odd. Back to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I taught, yeah, uh, Zeke sandblasting. I taught him how to service grind. So now he's service grinding before I even get into the shop, which is fun. Nice. Um, so until until Dale and I work out our streamline 
outsourcing. Right. Yeah, right. Um, well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because Zeke put a story out with him grinding, and I messaged him saying, "Sorry, this is my fault." Yeah, yeah, he showed, he showed me. Up. Uh, yeah, it's no big deal. Like we're working on it. It's just it's one it's one more thing to think about. But it is. It's one of those things that I keep forgetting I have employees. So like uh-huh. Zeke just chilling in the shop. I was like, yeah, if you want to learn a service grind, I literally showed up this morning and he had already prepped six blades before nice. I even got here. Nice. Uh, so it was just, you know, Zeke. Zeke is amazing. Employees are great. Uh, they are. Yeah. Uh, what else? God, I cool. feel like I've been doing so much, but I, I can't remember. Right. We've kind of pushed John to the end of the podcast a couple times. Yeah, row. right. I want to get John up here. Get into more about the Lang gang. Oh, yeah. We saved the best for last, I got to say. <laughs> Tell us all of your exciting news. Of course. So, Lang stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've spent a lot of money in Lang stuff the last couple weeks. Yeah. At first, I got the fourth axis, the, uh, you know, the actual round base. And then I was like, hey, this is pretty nice. I should just buy something for the table, too. <laughs> And um, I think on the last podcast, I said that the fourfold plate was like 10 grand. And I was yep. talking to Easton from Moria Manufacturing. And he was like, he's like, man, that's expensive. And then I looked at the quote and it was they they quoted me for two of them. Oh, so that's why. Oh. And yeah. So I was like, that's a I was like, oh, well, I feel differently about that now. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the two fold plate that I bought is one of their mod plates. So essentially you can add another two fold plate next to it. And it's a 96 millimeter. I don't know if you, you would call that a sub plate, but it's a 96 millimeter. Like the pull studs are spaced 96 millimeters. It's the same as uh, fifth axis spacing. So you can actually use fifth axis stuff on it. So I've been like, I did that for the gauge. uh, What do you call it? The gauge palette. Yep. And then for like a, a big for like a Kurt vice, I bought like a base plate that's 96 millimeter spacing and you just have to switch the studs out um, for Lang studs. Okay. And then I bought a bunch of Lang studs because obviously my plan was to make that the entire pallet system along with the tombstones. And they're actually, they're $72 for a pack of four. And then I think like compared to fifth axis, they're over a hundred dollars that fifth axis sells. Oh, so that was kind of sort of in my cost calculation, sort of not. I mean, they're kind of close, but um, I was like, well, if I'm going to spend money, I might as well do it right once kind of thing. Yeah. And it's definitely really nice. And so I made those, those pallets. And if anyone wants like the actual, the CAD file, I'm more than happy to share them. Cause there isn't, it's Lang doesn't actually sell like a pallet. They don't sell like pre-made pallet blocks or anything for it. That's kind of um, weird. So they're like, what I went with was one and a half inch uh, thickness by seven and a half wide and then 14 inches long. And that just almost covers the actual two fold plate. So it's perfect. And then I use the center four uh, pull studs in it instead of using all eight. And I only I did that because Lang, they're big, big vices only use the center four anyway. So I was like, I don't need to go overkill. Right. with the uh the pole studs okay. and a, a cost thing yeah that's and like then, identical in size to the to, to the pearson pallets i run and then i think gotcha yeah um so, so it looks exp- like uh it looked like on instagram like did, did you make pallets that actually are like for knife parts yeah so what i did was i made i bought four blanks essentially sock up blanks and then i made three blank pallets just because i was set up to do them and then my plan 
is or was is to use those for the new knife fixtures palettes. Um, and so that's what I've been doing for the last week. And aluminum's really expensive. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. $500 just for four of those, the blanks. Really? Um, Jeez. Yeah. And that was, that was local, but even like Midwest steel, which has always been cheaper, it was only going to be like 50 less dollars. And then I had to wait yeah. on shipping. Midwest and sometimes steel when you have an idea, you get impatient. So you're like, local it is. Yep. Yeah. Are you talking about Midwest um, steel and aluminum? What's that? Are you talking about Midwest steel and aluminum? Yeah. Yeah. I have horror stories yeah. with them. I actually bought oh, really? the, the tombstone. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to just like bash people, but uh, they're the people who I feel like their website, you can pay extra for precision cutting. That's supposed to be plus or minus five thou. And it just wasn't at all. Oh, uh, Oh, I have worse. I have way worse than that, but that can be private. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the, the precision saw guy, he was sick that day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it guy. might be more, pre- it's just, it's just if if your tolerance is actually plus or minus twenty, just say plus or minus twenty. You know that can still be precision. Don't just don't say it's plus or minus five. Yeah, <laughs> if that if that was saw cut, that's really impressive for saw cutting. Plus minus twenty. Um, but yeah, and then exactly. and then basically at the same time designing new fixtures, kind of like yeah. one day and then cutting them the next day. So I've kind of been like sprinting trying to get back to production because basically i tore down the entire setup for the knives and i'm completely rebuilding them from the ground up so i haven't made a knife in like a week and a half sorry um yeah and then uh like i'm working today i'm working on like the uh the tombstone side of the handles so like they're gonna go they go on the tombstone for the actual surfacing Mm -hmm. and so i'm making the actual removable part that they get bolted through out of chromoly, so forty-one, forty, and okay. then I've gone extra crazy and I'm surface grinding the bottom. Is that going to benefit me at all? <laughs> Probably not, because the tombstone itself is just faced. Yeah, but I like to think that it will. And right. then another thing I have to say: the Lang, the actual plates repeat very, very well. Like nice. Notice, like within one to two tenths. Yep. Nice. And so what I did was I like. I made parts of the the like steel the steel palette and I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Remove this one, put another one on. And then I was like, oh man, I need to engrave the back of it, like the very front. And I was milling at the other side. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, put it on and then did change nothing and it engraved like you know, like it hadn't moved kind of thing. Yep. And it just seems to like repeat oh like really well. That's so good. that's pretty confidence inspiring. Yeah, a lot of um, trust. Yeah, and it's nice to be able to go, man, I wish the tombstone wasn't in my way. Oh, wait, I can do that now kind of thing you know, and not worry about it. That is nice. Yeah, but yeah, I've been, I've been actually pretty impressed. It is nice. definitely really expensive, yes. um, but yeah, hopefully it, hopefully it pays back. It should. I mean, the week that you're losing to making these pallets, you're going to gain that back like the following week. Oh, yeah. 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 And then, also, I saw you, I think... Uh, maybe you mentioned this and I missed it. You you made like a, like you made like a little stops or walls that have like a, a backdraft on them. Oh yeah. Those were pretty hard to make actually. So <laughs> could I, you explain like what those are to, to people? Yeah. So let's see. So for the blades, I'm still, 
I don't have enough volume essentially to like buy a sheet of Magna Cut and then get it water jet because that would be the best way to do it. So what I'm doing is just buying like the cut bars and then they're getting on this fixture, they're going to go between like uniforce clamps. And my plan is to only mill the, uh, like just the spot where the, where bolt holes are going to go. And then like basically mill the profile out in kind of an op two, but the actual uniforce clamps are pushing the stock into these, uh, 4140 backer bars, essentially they're rails and they have a draft angle that is sits slightly above the stock height and is drafted downwards. I don't know if that's the right way to say that. It it pushes them down, keeps them locked down. And the reason I did that is because I like to overcomplicate things because I'm not really putting a lot of force in that op anyways, but I did it. I was like, I'm going to make two of them. I might as well make like six of them for the handles and stuff. Yep. And yeah, so the plan is like they get the uniforces. They only, they only clamp like a normal, a normal vice essentially. So they're a wedge. They just push to their the perpendicular to their actual right. like um, clamping surface. Whereas yeah. like the pit bulls, they clamp downwards. They do. Um, and so I was like, well, the stock might be uneven kind of thing. So hopefully this weird drafted rail actually forces it downwards. So we'll see. Actually machining it out of bar was kind of a pain. And I had to use like a lollipop end mill. When yeah. It was flipped over to actually mill that in there. And it's, it's just because of how like the dowel pins, cause there's dowel pins in it to also keep it from moving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're actually, they're pretty nice uh, parts. And the cool thing is, because I made a bunch of them and I save them as like a piece of hardware infusion, mm-hmm. I'll just continuously use them down the road or whatever yep. and try to make it not modular, but reusable, right, yeah. I guess. It's a piece of your own. It's a little custom fixturing kit piece. Yeah. yeah. So you uh, you surfaced the, the angle in it? Nope. So that was... Th- the actual that draft angle was with a lollipop end mill. What do you mean? I think by that's that? what he means by yeah, like you serviced with the with the lollipop. Oh not, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant like the surface grinder. No, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, as as opposed to like kicking up on your fourth axis that you have and hitting it for like two seconds with the side of an end mill. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the reason is because I don't have a vice for the fourth axis anymore. Oh. That's has set up to actually do anything with. So I need to buy another vice. And because I don't have like a self-centering vice either. I, I just don't have a vice that has a plate set up for it. I wonder and, if like the Saunders uh, vices, you could make a little ooh. on the tombstone kind of. Well, yeah, you definitely could. Um, but what I'll probably end up doing is just buying like like a Lang vice or something. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they have a deal at IMTS. Be like, yeah. hey. Well, I mean, you're this deep into Lang. Yeah. As well continue. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. It's been good. Nice. Everything is happy in Lane World. Yep. Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah. Back to Pearson. Dalen. Back to me. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, see, the last week has been interesting to say the least. Uh, started the week off strong on a Sunday, right before the holiday Monday, to f- find that uh, I had some pretty severe power issues at my shop. Um. I was, I was telling David and, and John a little bit about it earlier, but uh, I don't think I told you everything yet, Grant. Okay. 
Um, so I came in, all the machines were off, which should not be a thing. Right. They were both running when I left. And I'm like, okay, cool. Standard power outage, whatever. I'll go see where it stopped and keep it going. Turn them all on. And uh, they're all throwing drive alarms as if like all the drives got burned out. Yeah. Um, and so my first thought was, you know, we had a storm. I went, ah, crap. Lightning must have struck somewhere or, or I had a really bad power surge. And like, I thought that all of my drives and all three of my machines were just fried. So I called up my, my service tech for the machines who surprisingly answered on a Sunday. He's a fantastic guy. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm telling these alarms. He's like, okay, go back, go to the back of the machines. Tell me the, the actual alarm numbers on the drives themselves. And I do, he's like, oh man, you're, you're not in a good position. Oh God. I'm like, cool. How bad is it? He's like, well, if those codes are correct, all of your drives are fried in all of your machines. Oh God. And I'm like, so what, like a month of downtime and like 10 grand per machine. He's like, yeah, pretty much. I'm like, yeah. cool. Fantastic. This is going to get much worse. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I go into full panic mode as, as I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, start panicking, start trying to figure out how I can fix the machines and this, that, and the other. And meanwhile, I already called the power company and they sent a tech out. Uh, so they're like, okay, he'll be there in one to three hours. And I'm in a shop with no air conditioning. Oh, it's like, it's like 105 inside the shop with stagnant air yeah. I'm running around nice. with his head cut off, freaking out. So I had like three hours to kill for that tech to come. And finally I, I calmed down enough to be like, Hmm, maybe I should check my incoming power. Maybe there's something weird going on there. And sure enough, one of my, one of my three phase legs was just dead. I had no power coming off of one of my legs. So I was only so had two phase power. I only had yeah. two going to the shop. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> at that point there was a glimmer of hope in my eyes that like, Hmm, you know, maybe these machines are just acting weird because they only have two phase. And uh, sure enough, uh, the 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 power company guy came, and uh, he ended up running. He literally ran an extension cord from a transformer across the road. Whoa! To oh my, my transformer. You can do that. Apparently, um, and what's really funny. Stuff. <laughs> the really funny thing is, um, whenever they do that, the power company, I guess legally or something, they have to hire a twenty-four hour security guard to just guard the wire. Because, you know, it's like the super thick, like, double lot single yeah, they, they don't want someone coming and siphoning some free electricity. Yes, I, I can't <laughs> figure out or the actual... Or taking the copper. Right? Well, I can't really okay. figure out the real reason. Like, I asked the security guard. He was nice enough. I'm like, so, like, you know, why? Why <laughs> why do you have to look over this thing? Is this it's probably just, steal it? I, I bet that's a $20,000 cable. Probably. I, I think it's also probably just dangerous. It is dangerous. So his, his his response really was, um, oh, it's for kids. We don't want kids to kill themselves on it. Oh. Well, Someone with a pacemaker walks next to it and the, explodes. Uh, the funniest thing about that is it's it it's ran right behind a daycare. Oh, gosh. So I told the security <laughs> to run it through the daycare. <laughs> I told him, like, you do realize that that building right there is a daycare. And his eyes went completely like black. And he was like, oh God, yeah, I gotta wow. go. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, they, they got free phase back to my shop temporarily with a with that cable, uh, which cleared out most things. At this point, I at least had my surface grinder and my Miltronics back. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah right. So I was able to make it <laughs> at least by the end of Sunday. So I was starting to calm down a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, 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 my mighty viper that has a spindle chiller, the spindle chiller still was really unhappy. Um, it was in an alarm state, so the machine wouldn't even 
exit east off. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, okay, not a big deal. I have to, you know, buy a new spindle chiller for like five or six thousand dollars. That's way better than the alternative. Yeah. And then finally, the Monday when I went back in, I was like, well, it's broken anyway. I guess I'll take it apart and <laughs> pretend that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> the best kind of repair. Uh huh. Yep. I took it apart and I just started poking switches that look like they may or may not do something and put it back together and sure enough that solved it so everything was fine fortunately nailed it so so every machine is running every machine right? is running everything is good uh, even my techs were like oh man we thought for sure that you were screwed i was like yeah i don't want to hear that please don't tell your, me that. your techs suck <laughs> <laughs> they weren't yeah. like oh that's weird everything is dead how how inconvenient for you like <laughs> Don't even check anything. That's like bringing your car to the dealer and being like, "It does. Well, the engine's no, blown." They, oh, you just need gas. They were, I mean, they were great about like they were, they were going to come up on Monday, like the next day on a holiday, and be like, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get this all checked and like make sure you're sorted. Like he's, he's an awesome, awesome guy. Yeah, it was just the information that I was providing to him because it's all I had was information that leaned towards bad things. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so everything's sorted. Everything's good again. So we're all happy there. And then I'm I'm still in some slight catch up mode, trying to catch up with with, with assembly from um, previous weeks. And uh, yeah, new machinist is is awesome. Yep, hired a new employee, and he's been fantastic. Um, he's learning a lot. He was pretty green when I hired him. He was kind of fresh out of uh, the trade school classes for machining. Oh, uh, but uh, he's catching on quick. Um, yeah, it's been great now. That's good. Yeah, that's awesome. there. Yep. Um, going back into some, some like blasting and tumbling and all that. Uh, cause obviously, you know, we talked about it. I don't want to have to blast if I can avoid it. Right. However, I'm, I'm still having really bad, uh, blend issues with my aluminum stuff. Yeah. Uh, I still have like a 75% blend rate on my aluminum. Oh my God. And I mean, the so blends what, are extremely minor. What, what do you mean by what that? kind of blend? Uh, f- uh, finish issues, uh, like like really small finish issues, or them getting like a really light scratch from like getting pulled out of the fixture. Really, really small things that uh, I mean. Oh, this is because you're not tumbling them at all. Correct. Yeah, they're coming out right off the machine into anodize. Yeah. Oh, okay. I tumbled them. Like and yeah, like. I did tumble a batch, but my media was, was too big, so it couldn't fit all the way in. I have little face grooves on it that don't go all the way through. And so the tumbling media would put like this tumbled line in the middle of those pockets, but not in the corners because it was too big. Uh, yep. And I refuse to blast unless I buy that magic little I got you. blaster that John just said. Yeah, I <laughs> might be it, man. <laughs> right. So I ended up uh, today, I ended up buying some one millimeter porcelain uh tumbling balls oh yep i don't, I, I don't know if the porcelain's gonna work though because uh well first of all i don't think it'll do anything unless you use uh the right like liquid with it um right but but also it's like for polishing and so i don't think it's gonna take out scratches that the are scratches like big. are no they're not big scratches these scratches are less than a thou deep okay these what are I was going to say is you have those in your trainers, you have those those like pockets that don't go all the way through. Uh-huh. Um, what if you cut those with like a ball end mill so they're like way more radiused on the inside corner? I thought about it. Um, even then, my current media won't make it in there. 
Oh, well, man. yeah, not the current media, but uh, I was thinking like regular media, ceramic yeah. media that's, yeah. uh, you know, three-eighths inch triangles or whatever. Right. I am. So, I mean, my hope with this porcelain stuff, so this is actually porcelain tumbling media that's designed for steels, not aluminum. They do sell ones that are designed for aluminum. Okay. I, I wanted to get ones that were more aggressive. Um, Interesting. I mean, if I have to run it overnight in my tumbler, I will. That's not a big deal. I'm just looking for a uniform finish across everything. And I bought one millimeter diameter balls. That way they can even get inside the channels and like they can get on every single surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are, are you running that in one of the bowl tumblers or on the, uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in my bowl tumbler. Okay, good. Um, because I, ever since I got that new media in my Mr. Deeper, I haven't used the bowl tumbler at all. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Well, I, 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 sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because I, I, for a while, I split it down the middle and I had, uh, there weren't one, one millimeter, but they were probably uh, less than an eighth of an inch, uh, maybe 80th right. hour or something like that. Um, and they were small enough that they would not only fit under the divider, uh-huh. but they would fit through the drain, sometimes mm-hmm. clog the drain, yep. but they would all end up in my bucket of water. Yes. It's funny <laughs> so enough, nice. Actually. I just, I just realized that they will fit through the drain in my bolt tumbler, but I'm just going to put like some stainless mesh on top of it or something. Yeah. You can, you, there's definitely ways to solve it, but it was oh, yeah. a pain in the butt in the Mr. Dubur. So yeah. probably a, a bolt tumbler idea. Yeah. I, I haven't tried this, but you can also like get a plastic bin that like is decently strong and fill it with media and put your parts in the plastic bin and just let that shake around. Oh, that's a good idea. That, oh, I should try that too. It's kind of like tumble the bin. Yeah, right? Oh, it's funny because I do something similar with my ultrasonic cleaner. I was going to say, yeah, it's kind of similar to ultrasonic. Yep. Off the machine finish, that's a that's a ballsy move. I've had people <laughs> ask me, they're like, man, that finish is so good. Are you going to offer it off the machine? And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> no absolutely not. <laughs> hell no. Right. Not so in like, a million I mean, years. Even with my blends, like 98 to 99% of the people who buy a blem have messaged me and been like, so where's the blem? And they'll send yeah. me pictures and I'll be like, I don't know anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. So my, I don't know, I guess my, um, my ideal finish quality on them is probably a little bit too high for the price they're at, but I don't care. It's <laughs> definitely better than being perfect. Though. I don't think you can be giving away or throwing away 75% of your stuff though. Oh no. He sells, no. He sell, sells the I sell it. I sell it. Well, but uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I hope the porcelain thing works out because then it could end up being an even better finish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway. And yeah, because um, I'm not looking for something aggressive. I'm not looking for something like a, I don't want to make it a matte finish. Um, I just want something that'll make it uniform. And I'm, I mean, it's it's aluminum. It's pretty soft. I feel like... If how, I, how much tumbling have you done of aluminum? Um, For this company, not... a ton i've tumbled a lot of parts in the past for other companies okay because uh, i feel like you can get like with plastic media or ceramic media a pretty good finish pretty quickly um that i i think oh yeah you would I like mean, but i don't know when i when i did that that tumble batch of handles in my aggressive media it took like uh 15 minutes yeah so i feel I, like eight hours in a really small porcelain ball media should give me some results right i hope i you'll we'll see yeah we'll see i only bought 25 pounds of it for now i've said this before but you know john saunders has his proven cut website 
that has like all sorts of end mill recipes. I want that for tumbling. Dude, we just right. see all sorts of different finishes and like, oh, this media will round over your corners this yeah. much. I, I'm sure we this all long. went through it. Like there is so little information about grinding and tumbling. Dude, yeah. It just doesn't exist. And hard milling. But mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. I'm really lucky I, that my my machine sales rep slash tech, uh, he was actually a tool and die maker for like 40 years. So he yeah, was very familiar with grinding as well. That's huge. That so, so I am big. able to just call and be like, hi, um, I don't know grind. You do help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like every time I look at the machinist forms about tumbling, it's always like some people who have like a little bit of experience and they're trying to get more. And like, it's just a little discussion, but then there's always someone who comes in who's like, yeah, you can just use a cement mixer and pea gravel from Home <laughs> Depot. Yep. And it's fine. And like, uh-huh. then like people are inexperienced. They're like, maybe. And it's like, no, no. Someone will come in like, no, don't waste your time. Like many have tried. Like they make these tools for a reason. Like I almost bought a cement mixer to tumble. It's it's just oh like <laughs> I, I made a tiny little one out of a piece of PVC type, and I think it was a treadmill uh, motor. And <laughs> that's awesome. It, yeah. it was horrible. It did, it was absolute garbage. Um, I, it's it's so interesting because the knife making hobby. Uh, versus the knife making and or the industry level of things is so diverse, but we're all on the same forums. Uh huh. And so you have people that's like, oh, I got a great finish with gravel in a in a cup, but it's <laughs> like, well, that's not really a great finish because you're you're sitting there comparing it to like zero tolerance. And actually, coincidentally, I think Adam Hybel I was just posted like that. a ten year old yeah. picture where he literally like by hand shook his parts in a yeah. cup of rocks. Yeah, like you, you can definitely get a finish doing but that. But now, now that was again, just to be clear that like not what he does now. No. Yeah, no, like that was that was like way back in the day. Like I think I did that too. Like oh, I did we can hire a full time rock tumbler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Would, for especially for for Adam if, if that's his first like non family hire. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Um, yeah, like it's so interesting because you have the hobby guys that think that this is amazing. And then you have like, you know, uh, not to say that we're professionals, but like we're doing this way more often and to, to way more volume. And it's like, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to say you're shaking a couple of rocks around like I need actual abrasive media that's going to last a while clean and do a good job and do it consistently. There's also just like so much opportunity cost to things where even with like the good tumbler um, that I bought, like a real it's made for the job. Um I, uh, I, the part of the reason I got it is there's this really good machinist. I'm going to f- forget his Instagram handle. Um, but, uh, he bought it and was getting good finishes, but then he made like a whole filter system for the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like really impressive and really good. And it, and like, I feel like I should do it, but it's also like so much time and effort clearly went into it where it's like, you know, I, I just, I just can't justify the amount of time it would take. And so it, you know, uh, I know Grimsmill has like a paper filter system for his tumblers. Um, and I'm sure that's like too expensive. So I haven't even looked at how much it would cost, um, for yeah. how much tumbling I do, but John and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, cause I oh, was yeah. thinking, I, I proposed the idea and at the, you know, after he said what he said, I felt really stupid, but I was like, I'll, I'll just have a, a split bin, just like, just like a Haas coolant tank. So you have one bin where everything drains into, and then you have a wall 
so that all the chips that settle to the bottom won't make it over the wall. And then you, the, the water or liquid can get over. And I was like, oh, this is great. Um, and then you you said you designed like an entire like a filtration plant that miniaturized. Yeah. yeah, I just I just looked up a waste treatment facility and I was like, OK, I'll just make up small one of these. <laughs> and then it's, it, it's not that it's not as good. Like I probably wouldn't. Oh, wouldn't it's not. It. No, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hook it up to your septic system. Yeah, it worked good for the bowl tumblers I had because I had three bowl tumblers and a water system that like actually filtered the water all the way around to three of them. Uh Yeah, and that worked good. But yeah, the whole seven gallons that supposedly you have to change every eight hours of runtime is like really not cool. Yeah, yeah, that's it's crazy. I just have several. Speaking of like shop improvements, I have like a bajillion different buckets now. To yeah. improve my tumbler setup. <laughs> Me too. And so yeah. the some buckets are for the liquid, and I just kind of swap them around so that the stuff can settle to the bottom over time. Yeah. And then I also have found uh, three gallon buckets. I feel like are the perfect size for media I'm not using oh. because you fill it, it like pretty much all. If you get like fifty pound media, it'll go right to the top of a three gallon bucket. And it's like, you know, it's not going to be like, I mean, it's heavy to lift, but it's like not unmanageably heavy and and the shape of it isn't the tallness helps. And so I have that. And then I also bought a step stool and the step stool, I can put that three gallon bucket on and it goes into the bucket easier when I drain out all the media and, uh, you know, it doesn't drop as far. Um, and then also I can step on the step stool to dump things in easier. Right. Nice. Then so, trying to like lift it over my shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. I use five gallon buckets for like everything. Cause I have a bunch of them. Cause I still buy my coolant in five gallon buckets. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I just, uh, bit fan of the three gallon ones now. Sorry. Guys. Nice. <laughs> nice. Although I think pretty soon I'm going to have to start buying coolant in, in, in drums, which I'm not looking forward to. Mm. I, I'm, I'm thinking about it with the, with the VF one. Cause they're both going to eat through coolant. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now that I have both of them running all the time, um, a five gallon bucket of coolant lasts me like a week. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, I feel like, um, it'll be cheaper if you buy it in a drum in the long run anyway, because of, you know, the economy of scale. Yep. Wow. It only lasts you a week. Right about. That's... Yeah. I mean, wow. everything I do runs at like all of the RPM I have always. Do you have, um, mist collectors? No. I should. That might. I feel like I feel like that would help. Help a bit, yeah. I definitely should. It doesn't help so, that uh, even though my sh- my shop is air conditioned. Oh, yeah. It's still Arizona, and the machines are closer to the garage door, which is just a big heat radiator. Yeah. Um. So it's it, it's still probably like eighty five when you're over near the machines. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, um, do you feel like you could? Can you adjust the pressure of how how much comes out? Uh, if anything, I want to increase it more. I want more coolant okay. pressure everywhere. Because <laughs> because sometimes I feel like with the Torm rocket, it, it can go up and down a lot. I don't have the biggest tank. Yep. And uh, often I don't think I really need that much pressure. Right. The weird thing for me is, um, I mean, so the machine that definitely eats more of the coolant is the Miltronics because it's roughing out aluminum all the time. Yeah. But. Uh, it's never foggy or misty in the enclosures or or around the machines. 
Mm. And I don't spill that much coolant. So well, and that's, that stuff sticks to parts. Yeah, I mean, it sticks to parts too and all that, but. Yeah. And chips, chips, chip uh, loss is a huge deal. It is. Yep, you know, yep. I don't, I don't drain my chips before I, I toss them. So mm-hmm. I'm yeah, probably that's... losing a couple gallons every, like quite often from just uh, dumping chips out of the auger. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys want to wrap it up? Yeah, I think I actually probably got to get going. Yeah. yeah. Good place to stop it. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks. You guys have a good one. Bye. Bye.